Welcome to episode six of Life in the Time of Corona, a podcast exploring the many ways to stay healthy and sane in these strange times. I'm Dr. Saul Rosenthal, a developmental and clinical health psychologist. According to Education Week, at the end of April, schools are closed for 55.1 million students in the United States. That's 97% of children who attend school. For most youth in this country, schools educate and provide guidance during the longest period of rapid development in our lifetimes. What does it mean when that structure suddenly disappears? How do parents and families make up for the loss when their day-to-day lives are also upended? Today we are joined by Tim Schutke, who has master's degrees in social work and public health. He is a licensed clinical social worker with expertise in child, adolescent, and adult psychotherapy and cognitive behavioral therapy. Tim was one of the first social workers to be embedded in a pediatric primary care practice, which is where I first met him. He consults with Boston Children's Hospital Psychiatry Outpatient Service and maintains a private practice in Canton and Newton, Massachusetts. Tim, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. So one thing I'm asking everybody who, who comes on to the, the show here is, well, what are some of the biggest changes that you're going through, both in your work and, and in your private life? Well, one of the most difficult parts of this is I don't know when I'm going to see my adult children again. I mean, we do Zoom calls, but I, but to see them face to face. And I have a toddler grandson, and I really miss him, although I'm learning to play with him through uh, FaceTime, which is interesting. He's, he's actually adapting to FaceTime. Well, we're not real sure that's a great idea, but so I am actually interacting, but not quite nearly the same. So I think those are the things that are most, most difficult. And learning new technology. I hadn't ever done any Zoom sessions uh, in my therapy practice uh, prior to this. So this is all um, sort of new. The technology has been um, a learning curve of sorts. And what are you hearing from your clients about the biggest challenges that they're facing dealing with the coronavirus? Well, I think part of this is that um, the kids aren't able to go out and play with other kids. There's like the families are pretty, um, they're at home and they have their siblings and they have an opportunity to have Zoom calls or FaceTime with friends and also in video games and things, but they really don't have those, the play dates. So um, I think those are the, some of the biggest difficulty. And I think the other thing that as I was thinking about this is that uh, we, we live very fast paced lives. A lot of, uh, there's a lot of criticism out there about uh, families being overscheduled. And this has actually been, interestingly, an opportunity to slow down. And the families have more time with their kids. The kids, sometimes this can drive the parents a little bit crazier than the kids. Uh, the kids have both parents at home. I mean, it's like, for them, that's just a really, can be a really positive thing. But also, families have more time to be reflective. I, the parents that I've been meeting with are, are more reflective. They're also easier to access. A lot of times in my private practice, getting parents together for a session is problematic because everybody's got lives and schedules. And this way, it's, it's very easy to schedule parents. And so I, they're, they're more accessible. And I think the other thing is learning to take parents working at home and taking turns with the kids and then the older siblings watching the younger siblings. 
And the opportunity, the last thing is, I think, is the opportunity to be creative in terms of activities, board games, things with the with family. So lots of challenges, but also opportunities. Yeah. Now, now some kids are homeschooled typically, but mostly kids are going to school outside of the home. Right. Could you talk just a little bit about what the importance of school for kids at that age might be? Yeah, I think that one of the things is that this is occurring in the spring. So there's been a big chunk of the school year that's already occurred, which I think is, has been very helpful. And I think kids do learn differently through uh, technology rather than in the, in the classroom, and they don't have their peers in the classroom. So I think that's another one of the challenges. And the other part is that kids, young adults, are, well, are saying that they're not retaining as much from the, from the lessons and from the, from the homework. Although I honestly think that whatever is happening now can be, you can pick up and catch up very easily. Because the, the truth is, this isn't that long a period of time in the larger educational uh, year. So you think that kids will kind of catch up, assuming schools open in the fall yeah. uh, this year. You talked about the social issues for these kids and how technology is allowing for some social interactions, but that one of the big issues is lack of play dates, lack of that face-to-face and also how that peer interaction might help in school. Could you talk a little bit more about the importance of the social interaction for kids of the sort of six to 12 year, years of age? One of the things that children at this age process information through play. So their ability to uh, play with others, it's just the, the opportunities aren't there. So that's, that play, particularly for the younger kids is important in any kind of learning, any kind of development. For the older kids, it may not be as much play as as more sort of one-to-one or one-to-many social interactions. It's sort of that that give and take that is different, I think, with the technology, with, with FaceTime or with Zoom. It seems like you lose a lot of the body language. We were talking about this a little bit before we started recording, just how body language is really important in any kind of this interaction. So you're, it seems like you're saying that, that that's true with kids of this age, even learning, it's important to do that. Yeah. What are some of the unique issues for the school-aged children, given the restrictions that we're all experiencing? Well, one is that the parents have a, a larger, are taking a larger role in their children's education. It's not exactly homeschooling, but it, but they're uh, they're definitely taking a much larger role. The other part is that experts say that you have about a twenty minute attention span, tops, and so for younger kids that's even shorter. And I think part of this is having shorter periods of learning, and then making sure that there are breaks that are sort of built into this. One of the things that has happened in my private practice is I have a much more difficult time with younger children, school-age children, especially the younger grades, on uh, Zoom. They just, it, you know, we can draw a little, but you really can't do play therapy. The other part is that uh, they, their attention span is a lot shorter. 
often what happens is that I will spend about 10 minutes tops with a child and then they're off somewhere and I end up with parents in consultation. So we do a lot of parenting work, which is, which is very helpful, but the kids are sort of all, all over the race and the parents, every session, the parents are saying, well, hopefully we'll be able to do this in the office at some time. And it's funny, I, I've noticed the same issue with my kids that I work with, and I've heard that from other child therapists, that when we're doing these sessions online through Zoom, particularly for kids, although I also find this with adults, it seems like for many people, not everybody, but for many people, those sessions feel a lot shorter. They end up being shorter, almost as if the attention span is even shorter with this technology than it is face-to-face. Yes. It is. And it's also in a different context because you're not in the milieu. And the, the thing about young uh, school age kids is the predictability. I was going to comment on that, in fact, in terms of the family as well. But um, being able to anticipate this is what I, where I'm going to be learning. I'm in the classroom. There's the teacher and, and how all of that really has meaning for children and their ability to be able to learn and to, um, you know, just acquire knowledge. And if that's not there, then it's a new, they're adapting to a new environment with, with the limitations that are in, built in. So predictability is really important for these kids, and there's obviously a lot less of it. Right. Do you have any advice for parents to maybe help impre- increase the predictability for the kids? Yeah, I was thinking that about that. As I think that one of the things for parents, it's important to continue the daily routines that they, that are familiar to the children. Being consistent, especially in routines and in discipline, and just continuing the consistency and the routine that the, the kids know, and giving them the ability to be able to anticipate and to plan ahead. I think having some kind of uh, weekly schedule using a whiteboard or something like that um, where you can where the family can put on what what's happening during the week what are what are the school times what are the activities what are the chores um, what kind of household responsibilities does everybody have so that kids then can anticipate what's going to be happening next because there's just so much uh, beyond the house that is really unpredictable. I also think the other piece is, and it's probably pretty obvious, is um, to really keep the news down or completely off. If there's a way not to have uh, access to the news, that can be really helpful, I think, to all of us, but especially to kids. And also using, thinking about creatively, like board games, singing, dancing, Act, family activities. There's a lot of uh, creative possibilities here for the families. I think the other thing is for parents to understand that they, the children really do process information through their play. So um, their play may be different and their emotions may change. What they will be doing is acting out their emotions and feelings through their play. So the play may very, very well be different from the way it was before. So they're using play as a way to process mm-hmm. those emotions to understand what's going on. Their emotions may be different and 
they may have some meltdowns because of this. And so for parents to understand that there are going to be some changes because of this. So some of your advice for parents seems to be to try to maintain that consistency or even build up more predictability and consistency to to watch for the different ways that children may be expressing their emotions. Also to use these this time as an opportunity for creativity and for reflection. Are there other ways that parents can be helping out their school-aged children right now? Particularly given that the parents themselves are now juggling multiple roles and and all right. of these changes. Well, I I think being honest, being aware of where their kids what how the kids are feeling and th- and and what they're thinking and also being as honest as possible about what's going to happen now if a parent doesn't know and they probably don't know what the next step is or when this is going to end or is being open and transparent with with children around that and also being reassuring at the same time is it basically their parents job is to keep their children safe and letting their children know what they are doing to provide for that safety which is all of the things that we're doing with the pandemic quite frankly but but also just reassuring children in that context which will also help, I think, reduce anxiety. So trying to maintain some sense of normalcy, even if we don't know what's going on, or at least, if not normalcy, at least the sense that things will be better, things are are okay, everyone's safe, and they will be getting better. We've mentioned a couple of times the role that technology is now playing in education and in socializing, do you have anything to say about screen time? It's sort of an interesting topic. I, I work with a lot of people who overuse technology, but at this point, everyone is using technology more for school. It's for work. It's for socializing. Do you have any thoughts about screen time for kids of this age, sort of that six to 12 year old? I, I think that we can kind of throw out some of the the American Academy of Pediatrics you set out um, certain guidelines, but all of that is pre-pandemic. So the amount of time that children spend on the screen time is definitely going to go up. And I think part of that depends on what it is that they're doing on the screen. Although one of the things that I've and the kids that I've been working with, uh, one of the contacts that they have is through games and their friends are all on the games. And so they're able to interact. And so it's hard to say, well, you can't play Fortnite. Well, it's a little hard. You know, I mean, uh, that's this is how or, or mind. What is it? Mind. Um, Minecraft. Minecraft. Thank you. Which under ordinary circumstances drive parents crazy. But uh, this is how they're connecting with their friends. This is. A blip, it doesn't feel like it, but this really is a blip in all of our lives. And so so if there's more screen time right now, we'll work it out later, I think, is my my thinking. When we're in the middle of it, we don't realize it, but it is useful to realize that this is just a moment in time. One of the things that I was thinking about when I was anticipating coming in and talking today 
is the uh, Chinese have two characters for the word crisis. One is danger and the other is opportunity. And I think it's important to think about that in the context of where we are right now, is that there's the danger aspect of the pandemic um, and also the opportunity that we have to get to know each other, to slow down our activities, to find new ways of interacting and reflecting on with, with, within families. And that has always helped me at times to look at the whole context of this as the Chinese are looking at it. I think that's a really great way to think about it, to think about crisis both as a moment of danger, which it, which it is, a moment of risk, yeah. and a moment of potential growth uh, opportunity for change. As we finish up with the conversation, there, there's a few one thing questions that I like to ask, okay. if that's okay. Uh-huh. So uh, what is one thing that people should take away from our discussion? I think the opportunity to, to spend time with your children and to be creative with them, having this opportunity to really slow down and spend time together in different, different and positive ways. And what is one thing that you're doing to take care of yourself? Well, I, I can't, let me give two things. One is, and I think this is true for families too, is that I'm trying to get outside every day. I'm trying to exercise. Um, I run on days that are half, halfway decent. I try to bike. And I, the other part is um, some form of yoga every day, even if it's only 15 minutes, but just trying to get in one of the, you know, there's uh, the millions of yoga classes that are uh, all over the place, but just trying to do some yoga every day. And I found that to be really helpful. And finally, what is one thing that you think this experience, this coronavirus experience has changed about us forever? Wow. I wonder if the fast-paced life may not be quite as fast. We may find ways of reevaluating how we're putting all, building our activities and our schedules in the larger picture after this. Maybe it's changed our thinking. I mean, we in New England are known for our fast-paced life. When we you start in the morning and you just go 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 until you know it's time for bed and everybody's passing each other. Maybe this is going to be helpful in evaluating that as as we move forward and just being a little bit more reflective. Well, that would be both interesting and actually quite nice if we're able to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So lots of good thoughts and advice for parents of school aged children, and I, I would say actually any of us. Things like maintaining predictability, maybe using schedules, certainly checking in with your kids, paying attention to how the child is playing, what the child is saying, even their dreams. What are they communicating to you about how they're feeling? But in particular, this time of crisis really is also a time of, it's a time of opportunity to connect with each other differently, to engage in creative activities, and maybe to do more together as a family. Now, I want to thank you all for joining me during Life in the Time of Corona. You can subscribe to the show at iTunes or wherever you get podcasts. Please rate the show and definitely leave comments. 
Find out more at my website, saulrosenthalphd.com, and follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dr. Saul Rosenthal. Tim Schutke is a licensed clinical social worker who works with children, adolescents, and adults in a private practice outside of Boston. He was one of the first behavioral health clinicians fully embedded in the pediatric primary care service, and he continues to consult with Boston Children's Hospital. Tim, thanks so much for joining us. And thank you for having me on. Absolutely. And thank you, listeners. I look forward to continuing the conversation on life in the time of Corona. Corona.